You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! Welcoming back to Hey Mitch is Ash Budget. Thank you for coming back on the show again. And uh, I wanted to talk to you. Or first, I wanted to say congratulations on the Zombie Debt like short film awards winning short film run. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me back. <laughs> I, uh, after all is said and done, how many uh, festivals did you end up taking taking the, the short film to? Oh, I think um, I think it was like... 17 hold on let me pull up i did i counted it on a facebook post i'm pulling up the post now (laughs) i don't know off the top of my head um scrolling past quarantine things (laughs) that might be a long scroll (laughs) yeah right uh i'm pretty sure it was um wait hold you can just edit this long pause out. <laughs> oh, I mean, I could. I you don't could, know if I but you won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. Uh, no. No, that was the release of it. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. No, no, you're I fine. I should have come prepared. Oh, wait. Nope. That's just it releasing. Okay. Oh, here it is. Okay. 17 film festivals. So six right. awards. Six awards. And nominated for 13 awards total. I mean, that's incredible. So uh, I I loved the fact that I got to see it on that premiere when you premiered it on, on YouTube. Um, such yeah, a, thanks for watching. Oh, yeah. No so problem. fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I even mentioned it because uh, on one of the other podcasts that we do, it's uh, the Geeks Watch. We added a new segment at the beginning called the Weeks Watch. So whatever you oh. watch that week, and I... I talked about your your short film which was amazing so oh thank you <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um but yeah watching it on uh youtube i mean how, how did it feel to, to see it go up that way after being in the festival run uh it was awesome to finally release it because so many people i mean i'm also a youtuber and people aren't usually as excited about my YouTube videos as they were about zombie debt for some reason, which I'm like, that's interesting. But I, I think it's cause it was like a year of, um, of running the film festival circuit and all this stuff. And, um, and so there was a lot of buildup and so it was cool to finally release it so that friends and family could watch it who couldn't make it to film festivals. But it was kind of like weird timing now because like nobody cares about film fest or not film festivals nobody cares about student loan debt right now (laughs) which is what the movie's all about the movie's about how like in the post-apocalypse 
um, student loan debt collectors will still collect your student loan debt in a zombie apocalypse. Uh, and then like the irony of them being like, oh, and you don't have to pay your student loans right now. And they're at zero interest rate. And I'm just like, oh, my God, <laughs> I didn't think this would happen. <laughs> totally goes against the theme of your, your short film. Yeah. So I don't know how many people really care about it right now, unfortunately. But uh, we were kind of hoping we would like make some waves because student loan debt was like the hot topic, you know, right. especially coming up to the election. Happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, it was, I may be unfortunate timing. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> On the other hand, everyone's trapped at home and they need content to watch. So <laughs> there you go. Everybody yeah. will reach the end of the internet. So, you know, everybody <laughs> will get to see, I mean, they'll obviously see it before the end, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so was there anything that you learned from going through the film festival circuit that, Oh gosh, yeah, that was incredibly helpful that you, you would want other people that would maybe venture down that lane to know? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I, I did the film festival circuit about like 10 years ago with my, uh, college thesis film and it had, it has changed so much. I mean, without a box doesn't exist anymore. Like that's, that was what I was using back then. <laughs> now it's film freeway. Um, and, uh, it just, it completely changed. Like even the limit back then, um, my thesis film hold up was 30 minutes and it was really hard to get that placed as a short film because that was kind of like the cutoff point. Um, and a lot of places wouldn't accept short films that long or longer. And now the cutoff point is 45 minutes. So it's like completely changed uh, in that perspective. But um, what I did was I have some other filmmaker friends, um, Natalie and Tara. They're also YouTubers from Natalie and Tara Try Stuff. So you can see their films there. But I approached them because it had been so long since I'd done it. And they had been doing the film festival circuit with a couple of their short films. And they uh, told me, like, what you really need is you need to have a strategy. So I approached um, Zombie Debt going into film festivals with a very specific strategy. And my strategy was, you know, you, you have one or two strategies. You either try to get into all of the big film festivals, you know, for networking opportunities and, you know, because those are the, you know, Sundance, oh my God, it'd be amazing. Or you do what I did, which was you try to get into really niche film festivals so that you can win as much awards as possible. And so with Zombie Debt, it's a micro short. It's four minutes and like 20 seconds or something like that. So uh, specifically looked for micro short film festivals. It's a comedy horror film specifically looked for comedy and horror film festivals. And it's made by me and Rose Mesa, the writer producer, and we're both women. So also looked for women film festivals. Um, and so using that strategy, I think is why we were, obviously it was wildly successful because <laughs> we got into so many film festivals and won all these awards and um, were nominated for so many. So that's what I'd recommend if you're submitting to film festivals, have a strategy, you know, depending on what you want. Because the smaller film festivals probably don't have as much networking opportunities as like a bigger one would. But, you know, it just depends on what you want out of the film festival circuit. So 
is the is that a is there a lot of the like the subgenre so to speak film festivals as in micro there's, film festivals yeah, and stuff like that? there's a lot and that's a big thing that changed too when i was submitting to film festivals 10 years ago there weren't as many like small niche film festivals but you know the technology has evolved and it's so much easier for these like small like i went to film festivals that literally were taking place in the back warehouse of a brewery. Like, Mm. you know, like there's so many small, tiny indie film festivals. And then there's also like, you know, film festivals that they are doing it in a theater, but it's like a small local theater that they're able to, you know, have the screening at. So um, I was actually surprised. There's a lot of, especially comedy film festivals. There's a ton of comedy film festivals. And, um, you know, back in whenever... 2009 whenever I did the film festival circuit last gosh I guess that was yeah I don't know but (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't even like a category for micro short and now there's categories for micro shorts for short films for features for web series for music videos there's uh, a lot more screenplay competitions Um, a lot of the film festivals I went to we're part film festival, part screenplay competition as well. So um, yeah, it's there's there's a lot more nowadays than there were in the past. Just to sidetrack a little bit, what, how does a screenplay competition work? Like, do you just submit your screenplay and people read it? Yeah, yeah. So um, some of them, you just submit your screenplay, they read it, and then just like a film festival, um, they have different judges read the different categories and they have different categories and then you can win awards for specific categories. So they had like micro short um, categories for screenplays as well for Hmm. some of the film festivals I went to. So, but it's not like read out loud for an audience or anything like that. It's just, some of them are um, there. Yeah, there are. uh, So my friends, Natalie and Tara have done it. They've gone to a couple screenplay competitions where um, slash film festivals where they've read their scripts out loud to an audience. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, um, opened up quite a bit. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So g- going to, uh, these film festivals, taking your film to the film festivals, did you, did you do the Q and a part afterwards? Oh yeah, definitely. So um, what, what was the most, uh, common question you found yourself having to answer? Um, if there was one yeah i don't i don't know if there was like you know i think a lot of times people ask what inspired the film and you know what inspired the film is rose and i are both millennials with student loan debt (laughs) i feel (laughs) like nobody takes us seriously when we're like no this is crippling (laughs) like please this is a big deal and so um that was definitely the inspiration for the film. So I answered that question quite a bit, but, um, it's interesting the diversity of questions you can get throughout. Um, a lot of people would ask maybe like how long it took us to film it. And, uh, we actually filmed it in one day, which was pretty cool. Wow. So yeah, that was something that, um, people were always curious about. Now, do you chalk that up to the, you know, incredible planning going into uh, film day of filming? 
definitely. Um, I'm kind of like the Leslie Nope of filmmaking. I have like binders <laughs> that are color coded for, um, and Rose definitely is too. Uh, but on top of that, it was we were lucky enough. Rose works for LinkedIn Learning, and LinkedIn Learning, um, the live action team there, they were willing. Our um, cinematographer actually works for LinkedIn Learning as well, Josh Fagatner. And they were nice enough to lend him the equipment. So we shot with their lights and camera. And so uh, we only had one day because of that. Uh, So that put the time. Plus, I mean, it was short and we were also paying people. And so budget wise, it just made more sense to do one long 12 hour day than have to pay people, you know, for multiple days. And, uh, when you have to, I mean, I understand it's more of on the indie side and stuff like that, but does when you're paying people and contracts and stuff like that, does it still have to go all through unions or, you know, stuff that you usually hear about for, for people like me who have no idea what's going yeah. on in the show business? <laughs> so you can, you can make that choice. Like, you, uh, usually that's like, um, a choice that the director and producer would make. Um, and for this, we specifically chose non-union because we didn't want to do all the SAG paperwork because that is a, a headache. And then there's also a lot of limitations, you know, you have to like make sure they break for lunch at this time and make sure you provide water. I mean, I always provide water. I'm not saying I don't, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like there's all these things, um, that are specific about it that we just didn't want to deal with. I have done shoots before that were SAG and the producer has to do a lot of paperwork and you even have to have people like set up with like a payroll thing. And it's, it's a basically it's doable. It's just a lot of paperwork. So if you can avoid it, I'd recommend it. The benefit of going SAG is that, um, you're probably, it probably means you're working with a much more professional seasoned actor basically. But, but I mean, yeah. Your actors were great. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. It doesn't mean that you can't have wonderful actors. And, you know, a lot of times um, if you're doing a film for YouTube, like a digital, you know, like, hey, I'm just planning on releasing this on YouTube. Um, a lot of times SAG actors will do it anyway because it's mm. not that big of a deal, you know, for them. Um, so it's just a matter of having that discussion. But definitely something you want to decide before casting. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came to casting for Zombie Dead, did you audition or did you already have people in mind? Or uh, We didn't audition. I really like to work with actors that I've worked with before. I mean, I've definitely done the audition process in the past, um, but I like to reuse people that I know are good, that I know will show up, that I know are excellent, especially with comedy. Like, I find it can be kind of hard in just one casting session, figuring out if someone really is funny, you know? (laughs) Um, So the um, uh, Brittany Joyner, the main actress, I had worked with her before and we were friends and we actually just shot another short film together. So I had worked with her before. So she was just, I was just like, she's perfect. I just called her up. Daleks, who played the zombie has played a zombie for me before and was absolutely perfect and also a very close friend and then ryan stroud um who played the lone ranger rose had worked with him before and so she 
picked him and he was just fantastic and so great. So we were just lucky enough to know the perfect cast already. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you, you only had, you only shot for one day. Did mm-hmm. you need to do any reshoots or any no, kind of pickup we, or ADR? Or? We didn't do any reshoots. We did do um, the next day. We just got the quick cat insert because mm. Rose's cat Winston is in the film. And um, she specifically put him in kitty daycare, which is a thing. Apparently, <laughs> I found out <laughs> uh, while we were shooting because she was worried about him like running out of the house or being freaked out by all the people and equipment. Um, so he, we had to pick up that shot the next day. But everything else was all shot in one day. Very early. We started, I feel like our call time was... 6 a.m. or something like it was like oh the sun's coming up (laughs) so it was a long day that's for sure (laughs) okay uh so film film festival wise do you feel like there is anything you would do differently if you went through it again do you plan on going through it again yeah so i just like i said i mentioned i just shot another short film with Brittany. uh Mm -hmm. it's called the round table and um we (laughs) were like 90% done with it and trying to finish it by March so that oh. we could submit to film festivals. And then, you know, the apocalypse actually happened. <laughs> so uh, we're waiting on that. But um, that one, we have chosen a different strategy. We decided that we really want to um, try to do the bigger film festivals. So we're strategizing to do more networking type opportunities because we want to, our plan is to eventually do a feature. And so we kind of wanted to walk into these bigger film festivals and make connections. And then if they say, what else have you got going on? We'd be like, well, we have a feature if you're interested in funding. So that was the plan. The plan's on hold but will still happen eventually. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we are doing a different strategy with that. Okay. So amidst uh, the ending run of Zombie Dead and then the beginning of uh, the round table, you've started yet another uh, YouTube (laughs) channel, Film Yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's understandable. Creative people just need to create. I do. That's obviously where you're at. Who knows me knows I have to have like five billion different projects going on at once. And whenever I get stressed out, my boyfriend's just like, just remember, you chose this. <laughs> this is what you want. You like this. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the channel is Film It Yourself. And mm-hmm. I assume it's it's came from a, a lot of people asking you questions about making something filming something creating something in that in that aspect or you just saw that there was a a need for it yeah I mean um I definitely get asked the question a lot you know I I went to Brooks Institute of Photography which is a film school where like right away you're pretty much within the first four months you're on set shooting right away and for it's a year-round school for three years, and so it's just like intense. Every couple months, you're shooting another 10-minute short. And 
there's so many other film schools that don't take that approach. And instead, it's like you learn film theory, which I think is great. And honestly, I wish I had more film theory in my background education. Um, but what I found through working with other people is a lot of times people just didn't know like basics, like on set basics and like workflow basics and like just how stuff runs. Like I've done casting before where the producer is like, oh, I didn't know this and that. And I'm like, well, I, I didn't know I needed to explain it to you, <laughs> you know? Um, so definitely I felt that there was a need for it. Um, I kind of wanted to, I have another YouTube channel, Laugh Stash TV. And um, while it's great and I do have a good amount of subscribers, I kind of wanted to make another YouTube channel that was more focused and position myself more as a filmmaker than necessarily a YouTuber, even though I am still a YouTuber. <laughs> We've seen it on YouTube. But um, I always find it interesting, like, you know, what you post on the internet really changes people's perception of you. So like on Laugh Stash TV, I used to have a drinking show called Let's Drink. And I started quickly being pegged as an alcoholic. Yee. And I was like, oh, I'm not actually an alcoholic. Like I just have this show. And so I, you know, sort of that sort of vibe where I was like, okay, I need to rebrand myself. And, and if I want, you know, if my end goal is to be a feature film director, here's a way where I can rebrand myself as a filmmaker, but still also a YouTuber at the same time. So that was kind of where it came from. Um, but yeah, also a need. Now it's great because I can be like, okay, go watch this video on how to do that, you know. Um, and I also saw a need in the space. Like there's so many, um, there's so many channels already that are about filmmaking, but they usually really focus on like the gear, like Peter McKinnon or Potato Jet. Like I love them, but they're like, check out the sick new camera I got or this awesome lens. And they don't actually talk about the process of filmmaking. And so I definitely saw a need for that space. And there's so many males in that space that I saw a need for like a female voice. And then on top of that, I'm a, you know, a funny person. I like comedy. So I was like, well, people really seem to enjoy, I do another uh, course for LinkedIn learning called YouTube Tips Weekly, where I teach YouTube. And it's very much in the style of film it yourself, where there's funny sketches and skits and everything's really fun. Um, but there's also the important information there. And so I saw a, a need for like, well, here's the education, but here's a fun way of doing it that can be fun and lighthearted and make you laugh at the same time. Yeah, no, uh, like you were saying, you know, there's usually a lot of the filmmaking videos online are, are talking about gear and stuff. And your, one of your first videos is all about the formatting of screenplays. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I remember contacting you about a year ago before the, the last time we talked saying, hey, I just had a couple questions about uh, writing a screenplay. like, And you, you answered them and... Funny enough, I saw a lot of the same answers in in the video. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's very helpful when, yeah, they skip over a lot of the basic stuff that someone like me who has absolutely no idea where to start that you mm -hmm. definitely go into. So, oh, appreciate good. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many scripts I've been handed, 
that are in like Times New Roman or like Arial or something, like some font like that and like <laughs> completely not formatted correctly. And they're like, oh, it's only a like three page script. And I'm like, yeah, no, once we format it, it's an eight page script. And that changes everything about your budget <laughs> and how long it's going to take to shoot it. And so it's like these small steps are actually incredibly important in the long run like especially I have a whole series right now where I'm breaking down like the workflow and that is one of the biggest ones that I find people don't necessarily understand is like the film workflow and if you don't have the proper film workflow like you can just cause yourself headaches down the road in post-production you know (laughs) so anyway I think it's it's uh hopefully helpful <laughs> definitely helpful yeah oh, i mean yeah you, you've already done a, a q a um video mm-hmm. so w- what kind of uh questions have you been getting on the subject so far yeah i just got um uh the question two new ones that um that i'm going to be releasing soon uh one i got the question from a couple of people like how do i color correct and so I'm going to do a, another filmmaker Q&A video where I answer how to color correct. And color correcting is one of those things where, like, there's a lot to go over. So this will just be, like, the basics, but it'll hopefully give you, like, a foundation of understanding, like, okay, here's the initial steps to go through and what you could do and explaining, like, LUTs are, like, color profiles you can put on things to give them cool looks and stuff like that. And then the other question I got that I was like, oh, this is perfect for right now because people are stuck at home and they probably want to film stuff and they just have themselves. But somebody asked me how I do like a split screen effect because I've done this before in my YouTube Tips Weekly course where there's two of me on screen and I'm interacting with myself as if they're two different characters. And so um, I'm going to explain that one which is actually just an old school camera trick. It's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back in the, the 80s and, you know, before that when they did that, there was always that one piece of furniture or whatever oh, that, yeah. that split the screen. So you're like, ah, okay, I get it now. But uh-huh. yeah, obviously you make it look a lot more seamless. So that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, now you were also doing things like uh, having other filmmakers come on. I saw that you were having like a live chat with, uh, I mm-hmm. forgot his name. But Ryan Self. There you go. Yeah. Um, how how do you see that working into the whole YouTube channel and the film it yourself uh, kind of idea? Yeah. So originally, my idea was uh, I was only going to offer those for patrons. So I launched a Patreon with my channel, um, and the whole idea was like, okay. For $10 a month, you get this exclusive live stream plus all the other goodies you get for the lower things. Like I give out um, filmmaking templates and whatnot. Um, And you get access to the videos early. But uh, so it was going to be like a Patreon only live stream. But then, you know, the apocalypse happened. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I just, I felt like I needed to pivot because I didn't feel like. Um, I don't feel like people will probably be wanting to donate to a Patreon right now. I don't, if they do, then God bless them. I'm so thankful. Um, and I did, I have recently gotten a new patron. So I was like, oh, that's so nice of you. Um, but I just felt like, okay, 
I'm going to make this accessible to my YouTube fan base for free. So you could watch the live stream for free once a month. But if you still want access to that information, you can still support me on Patreon and then you'll have access to the whole live streaming log. So you'll be able to watch these live streams with filmmakers um, once a month for free. Or you can, you know, if you're like, wow, that Ryan Self guy sure knows how to write screenplays. I want to hear him talk again, uh, then you can donate and to my Patreon and get access to it. Um, and next month, it's actually going to be Natalie and Tara. It might just be Tara because Natalie is in Utah and apparently her internet there sucks. Aww. So uh, it might just be Tara, but we're actually going to talk more about um, film festival stuff and crowdfunding because they've done both of those things with their filmmaking. Okay, so yeah, the idea you know would be to are, are is it a lot of the people that are you're making you're networking with through like film festivals or just a lot of people that you know already or just anybody that you come across that's willing to come on and 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 talk live. Yeah, at the moment it's um, you know filmmaker friends of mine like I I know quite a few and then also um, filmmakers that I've made connections with through. The film festival circuit, I definitely want to have them come on. Uh, I have one friend, uh, Martin Gooch, who he's made several feature films and funded them. And so I definitely want to have him on to talk about that. Um, he might be difficult, though, because he lives in England. So <laughs> it'd be hard <laughs> to get the time right. Um, but yeah, I want to have uh, more filmmakers and then hopefully, you know, work my way up to, to more and more as this goes on. But at the moment, I have quite a well of people to choose from, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you went to film school, and then this is a film, you know, a film it yourself uh, YouTube page. But obviously, anybody who watches the videos knows that you're doing a lot. You're doing all the acting. You're the one from the camera, so you're also putting yeah. on these characters and <laughs> you know, uh, silly, silly wigs and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. were you doing acting at some point in your life too, or? You know, it's so funny when I. Uh, was starting out as a YouTuber. I was on another podcast and the podcast host asked me like, so, you know, like you must like acting. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not an actor. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an actor. But now I definitely embrace it. Now I'm like, no, I do love this. This is fun. Um, I did do acting in high school. Um, I I was in like the, the high school play. We did... Um, what was it? Uh, the one with the plant that eats people. Oh, my God. Why Little Shop of Horrors? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I was one of the doo-wop girls. Ah. Um, yeah, because I wasn't good enough to actually have lines. <laughs> 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 um, so I, I did start acting in high school. I acted in my own. Like I even made I started making films in high school with like a little mini DV camera and I would be in those films as well out of necessity. Um, and then in college, I would be in other people's films because like everybody was shooting all the time and everybody always needed people. But I never considered myself really an actor. I just enjoyed, you know, doing it. And it wasn't really until I started doing my YouTube Tips Weekly course, which I started in 2018, I think, 
that through doing that and doing all these different characters and whatnot, I started to realize like, oh, I really like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is really fun. So, um, I'm just incredibly self-conscious about it though. Like I don't even let my boyfriend like be in the room while I'm (laughs) doing it, which is why it's like so great that, uh, Spence, my dog, is usually the one I'm talking to and acting with because he doesn't care. He's just like, where's the treat in your hand? Can I have it yet, please? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so I definitely feel uh, self-conscious and goofy about it. And I don't I wouldn't say I'm a good actor, but I enjoy playing these like over the top ridiculous characters like um, for one of my favorite characters for YouTube Tips Weekly was I was Steve Furwin, which was like my parody take on Steve Irwin. <laughs> and I did just an awful Australian accent. It was so bad. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is, is that, what do you, did you have a favorite one of these characters that you've been playing? So uh, with that being said, then, like, if you felt like you got more comfortable with it, you'd think maybe a talk show, you know, with you in it being uh, in the in the course of your your future at any point? I mean, that'd be fun. Sure. I <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I could see it. The future holds. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, I can wear wigs and mustaches and on the talk show, then sure. Maybe it's a talk show where I'm the other character. <laughs> I'm the person being interviewed and the interviewer. I, I'm all for it. I think it's I think it's perfect. And you could it could, it could just be called wigs and mustaches. There. You- <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay. So then, with uh, a film yourself, how many like do you have a bunch of them in the bag? Do you are you I doing do. them week week to week? Okay. So uh, yeah. How far out are you at the moment? Ah, uh, see through. Over, I've shot over thir- gosh, maybe 25, maybe more. I actually was just shooting another one today. Um, so, yeah, I definitely have, I do them in batches, and I just did a batch of 13 recently, but I haven't finished my first batch. And those are like the core tutorial videos I do in batches because they take so much work um, and setup and everything that I kind of have to batch do it. Mm-hmm. And then for the product reviews, those are a little bit easier and a little more um, less involved. And so those uh, I've done one batch of and um, I'm going to do another batch soon. So yeah, I... I think for me because i was a youtube well i still am because i had the other channel i still have it i don't i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> i have laughs dash tv and with laughs dash tv like one of my biggest challenges was releasing content on a consistent basis so like weekly and it was really hard because of the high production quality i wanted the videos to be and everything and so with um film it yourself I'm batch doing them. So that way, if anything happens, like the apocalypse, I have have a bunch in the can. And the good news is I can shoot them in my house. um, So I'm all good there. I'm actually going to shoot another batch of 13 mid-April. The only thing I'm concerned about is if I can get props or not. 
Uh, so I might just have to recycle props I already have. Um, but you might just see the same characters over and over again a little bit. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, understandable. Yeah. Uh, so, so then being the, the, the filmmaking world's uh, Leslie Nope, I assume that there's a strategy to the releasing of these ty- different types of videos. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of starting with, um, you know, pre-production, you know, obviously we started with development, with screenwriting, and then um, I'm moved on to the workflow. And then I have a whole bunch of movies that I've already done that haven't released yet that are all about like pre-production. So how to do a call sheet, how to make a budget, um, you know, how to make a shot list, how to schedule your shoot and stuff like that, that are coming that will cover all of the pre-production steps that you really need to know. And then we'll move into, um, you know, I think I have some essential gear videos that I've shot already that are like, here's, you know, the camera or equipment that you might need, um, like production equipment, like a slate and gaffers tape and stuff like that. Um, and then we'll move into production stuff and then we'll move into pre-production stuff as it goes. And I might, you know, I might change my mind and switch it up depending on what happens this next batch that I was going to shoot. I was going to do some videos about how to shoot outside, so <laughs> can't do that right now. Uh, so definitely, you know, I might have to pivot and, and reshuffle some things, but um but that's the plan to kind of work that way. And then after, you know, we can get into more tips for each of these, but just kind of trying to lay the basics foundations first for each of those phases. Um, yeah, that's the plan. So your one of your most, your most recent as of this recording is the, mm-hmm. is a review of uh, a light basically, yeah. uh, saying this is the kind of light that would be great for you if you're on a tight budget. Um, mm-hmm. When you're making those ones, do you find it, do you find it, so I guess, uh, do you put in a lot of research into which item that you're going to suggest or is it more um, what you've used already? I mean, I'm sure you put a lot of research into what you're using, so. Yeah, so at the moment, um, I'm just reviewing gear that I already own, Mm -hmm. you know, for financial reasons. It's cheap. I already own it. Right. (laughs) Um, and I'm super, because of that, I'm super familiar with it and I know the ins and outs and I feel good about recommending it. Um, so I want to just recommend gear that I do feel comfortable and confident that is good for people. You know, I don't want to just be like, I don't know, they threw me this thing, (laughs) (laughs) buy it. Um, so right now that's what I'm doing. My hope is that I will get to a level though that, um, you know, companies will send me stuff to review and then I'll spend time shooting with it and then I can review it. Um, but newer, I'm a huge fan of newer. And so I also shot, um, a shoulder rig review. I have a shoulder rig of theirs, which is really great. And some other products that I'll probably do reviews of as well. And I mean, is, uh, the idea that you can use these equip this equipment if you're, only starting out or if it's it's equipment that can be used at any point yeah i mean you know a a big budget 
Hollywood film probably isn't going to use the newer light, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, if I was doing an indie feature, I'd still say it's a fantastic light. Um, with LEDs specifically, it can be really hard because there's a lot on the market that aren't really like color temperature accurate. And so, uh, you know, if you were on the level with a gaffer or a professional DP, they would probably have like a light meter and they would probably be like making sure that it's color accurate and everything like that. I don't have a light meter. Um, I'm not that intense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think they're still totally great usable lights. You know, if you're doing stuff on a budget, if you have studio money, then, you know, maybe rent better gear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what do we say? There's, is it three YouTube channels or four YouTube channels? That you. I have, yeah, you that two, you... just two. Dear God, I don't want four. <laughs> also, the the YouTube trip tricks and uh... the YouTube Tips Weekly is a course on LinkedIn. Just LinkedIn, Learning. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only on LinkedIn Learning, so you have to be a member. To, gotcha. Um, or I think you can buy the course a la carte as well, but I'm not really sure how that works, and I need to look into it. <laughs> but I think it's possible. Okay, so then these two. You know, working on films, uh, and then also as we, we said last time, I know you from Let's Rewatch. We we met uh, when I went on this the your show. Well, yeah, we met when I went on the show in San Diego, but I'd been yeah. listening to the show for quite a bit before that. I mean, how how are you finding time? Oh God, that that is the question that I <laughs> asked most. Is that a um, lot of monsters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, Right now, I have tons of time. <laughs> it's true, right now. Uh, um, I actually, so like I said earlier, like I just have this like yearning inside my soul to constantly be doing something. So like I can't relax. I, relaxing is not a thing I do. So <laughs> I am just always working on like a project. Like if you just left me, to my own devices, I'd be sitting at my computer from morning to night working on stuff. Um, and so I just, I just always have projects going and I'm always starting new projects. But the truth as to how do I have enough time is I don't really have uh, a personal life a lot of the times <laughs> because I'm so busy, you know, going to meetings with um, my different film teams about different uh, films we're going to do or, um, working on projects or shooting. So I don't, you know, all my friends know that if you want to hang out with me, we should make a piece of content together. That's (laughs) how we'll hang out together usually. Um, so yeah, so I don't really have a lot of personal life, but, um, that's kind of been a little refreshing with the current situation, the like silver lining that I'm like, forced to sit down and relax and play video games for once and i'm like oh this is kind of nice i guess <laughs> i'll just ignore everything else that's happening in the world um but yeah i'm so desperate though to be like working on a project that a, I, that's why i was like shooting something today where i was like I, i'm gonna make a video <laughs> by myself about this so um, I'm just insane is the real answer. It's so, a crazy person. <laughs> so you're saying the longer this goes on, the more, uh, the better chance that you're going to be creating yet another YouTube channel. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope not. 
So all this content creating, are you, I, I, I mean, you just said it a little bit, but like, what are you taking time to content, like consume? Yeah. So I, uh, the irony is, is as a filmmaker, I do not go to, um, the movie theater very often because I'm so busy all of the time. And that's why I'm so thankful for, um, the podcast I do let's rewatch because it like forces me to watch movies on <laughs> a semi-regular basis uh though they're all usually older our rule is like 10 years they have to be at least 10 years old though we've broken it you just times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's okay so, Iron Man 2 was was an appropriate break you could go yeah. ahead and break it for that <laughs> um so yeah that's it's kind of I feel like a bad filmmaker because I don't actually get to go to the movie theaters or see new films very often. I did catch up. I saw Jojo Rabbit. I saw Parasite. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Honey Boy recently. So I was like, all right, I saw some (laughs) of the big ones. I did it. I only Um, saw one out of those four. I only saw Once Upon a Time. uh, I want to see Jojo Rabbit and Parasite and Honey Boy. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Jojo Rabbit is my favorite film of 2019. I haven't seen 1917 yet, but it doesn't matter. I'm a Taika Waititi fan, so I'm sure <laughs> I'll like Jojo Rabbit best. Uh, uh, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Honey Boy are all indisputably good films. Will you feel good after watching them? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so... <laughs> choose what mood you're in (laughs) um yeah i usually what i consume are comedies i tend to gravitate towards comedies because those are the type of films i like but so often there aren't really great comedies like they'll just be kind of cheesy unfortunately not up to my quality standard (laughs) um and I also watch a lot of, like, I love Westworld, um, so I'm so excited that it's back and it's, like, one thing that is airing right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a lot of TV show stuff is usually what I end up watching because I don't have a lot of time. And I'm also a monster, and I will even watch TV shows in small chunks. I've been told by several people that, that I'm a heathen for doing so, but, like, I have no problem with watching 10 minutes of a TV show and then coming back to it later. Like I'm doing that with um, Tiger King right now. I'm still in the first episode. I'm just like watching it in chunks. (laughs) But I love it. (laughs) Well, it sounds like that new uh, Quibi is going to be exactly for you where they're it's That's like true all the stuff is less than 10 minutes or what they, they t- less than 10 minute episodes yeah. i did have another filmmaker friend who was like recommending quibi to me because he was like it sounds like something you'd like so. <laughs> <laughs> how important do you do you feel that is as a filmmaker that you consume other newer works like if if you do you feel that is a, a important or not Uh, I definitely think it's important because I think um, you need to, especially with comedy, because like comedy in particular, and I've talked about this on Let's Rewatch before, how comedy changes 
So different styles of comedy are in vogue at different times. Like if you look at, you know, the 1930s, we have like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton with a lot of slapstick. And then if you look at like um, the 90s, we have a lot of like absurdist comedy with like um, Will Ferrell and, you know, those people and um, uh, Ben Stiller. But like that sort of or even. um, Oh, no. What's his name? He was just an un, uncut gems, which I haven't seen. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Like a lot of this, like that style of comedy is very like the 90s and it's not really in anymore. You know, like they tried to make that Sherlock Holmes movie with oh, Will wow. Ferrell. And, yeah. And it totally bombed. But I bet you if that movie was released in the 90s, it would have been successful. <laughs> so it's just like people's taste change and um especially now with like woke woke culture like it's really important i think to be on top of what you know you can make fun of and can't make fun of and what you should be saying and not saying so i think i think it's definitely important to stay on top of it i'm i'm just failing <laughs> I, <need to> do <laughs> I mean i feel like the comedy at, at the moment or at least it's at the tail end is like is a lot of the um cringe like awkward comedy like yeah you, you have to it's so awkward you have to start laughing to break it kind of mm, thing mm-hmm. like the office season one yes <laughs> like, exactly this is painful it's very uh, bad <laughs> but, you know what's funny is like and i think this is why i watch more television shows than i do um oh it's my phone making the noises sorry it's i was okay. just about to yell at my boyfriend but it was me <laughs> <laughs> um uh, is TV shows, I feel like TV shows are better with comedy and like more on the cutting edge and funnier than most of the the comedy movies I see. So like The Good Place is so great. Um, Mythic Quest, I don't know if you've seen Mythic Quest, hilarious. I, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I hear episode five is amazing. Episode five is amazing. Okay. It's like its own little short film. Right. It got, it got me right in the heart, the heart place, wherever that is. <laughs> Somewhere. Uh, that yeah. area. <laughs> that area, yeah. And then what, what was the other one? Um, I mean, like, Silicon Valley is so good. Like, there's so many good comedic TV shows nowadays that uh, they just tend to grab my attention more because... The, the writing is just so funny. <laughs> so I, I, I believe last time we talked, we did talk about The Good Place. Did you watch the series finale? No, I still need to. Oh, I'm so okay. I'm behind. I know I'm <laughs> behind on that one. I kind of like, you know, just because of the current, we were watching it. And then because of the current situation, we're like, maybe we'll just watch free stuff right now uh-huh. until we know what's <laughs> happening with everything. So unfortunately, we've like banned ourselves. Which is a bummer because I really, really want to watch the new Jumanji movie. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm like, eh, I'm not going to pay for it. I'll just wait. <laughs> that's that's interesting too. So then, I mean, as a filmmaker, how do you feel about the stuff going to day and date VOD to the point where you can rent it for 20 bucks or go to the movie so, theater if we open movie theaters back up? Yeah, that's a great question because like movie theaters were already on the rocks and so i am worried that this is like the final nail in the coffin for them Mm -hmm. i'm uh i'm not sure how many will survive 
unfortunately. But there's also like another part of me that this is so awful, but like there's this other part of me that's like, you know, I really like my couch and <laughs> I have like unlimited free snacks at my house and I can stop the movie when I need to pee. <laughs> and like, So I kind of feel like the future is not watching movies at movie theaters and it is watching them in your house. Like it makes technology wise, it makes sense to me that that is the evolution. Like we are going in that direction. However, I do think that there's value to watching films in the theater with a, you know, a crowd of people. And like, there's like a vibe that you get, you know, everyone's emotions are, you know, on the edge of their seat or Mm -hmm. they're laughing or, um, I'll never forget. Like I went and saw Shrek in the movie theaters and I very specifically remember seeing it. And there's this one scene where Shrek and Fiona haven't been getting along, but then he trips and like falls on top of her classic cliche, right? Right. And it like the theater was quiet because it's like a, a like a oh moment, and this little kid goes uh oh, and everyone just burst into laughter, which was just so great, <laughs> you know, like these moments that you can't really have outside of a theater. And as a filmmaker, like whenever I go to a film festival and I get the experience of hearing people laugh at my film, like it feels so wonderful. So I don't really want movie theaters to go away, but it just, you know, I I don't think that it necessarily devalues films for them to be video on demand because I just think that that's where we're all going, you know. And maybe even more after this, like, will people want to go to a movie theater? Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's a little tough. Like, even uh, I really wanted to see Onward, right? That's the new Pixar one? Yes. Did I at least get the name right? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because it came out on my birthday on yeah. March 6th, like, very every once in a while, a film actually comes out on my birthday and I get so excited. <laughs> But all this stuff was happening, and so we were like, mm, probably don't want to go to a gross, grimy movie theater right now where they probably don't, like, wipe down the seats ever. That's yeah. the other thing is, like, movie theaters are fucking disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they are so gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. And I don't really like people, so <laughs> to deal with these, like, children running around and screaming. Ugh. Or, or talking during the film. So, like, you know, there's so many great benefits to watching them at your house. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you're doing a great job painting the upsides and the downsides. I get it. I know. Yeah. There's, there's, good, there's good to both, I think. Um, it's so, definitely, you know, it's different. It's interesting because, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, you've got to see this movie on the big screen. And the last time I ever really felt that way was There Will Be Blood. And it wasn't the screen. It was the sound system because, in my opinion, that movie is all about, like, the score and the tension that they build uh, that you just don't get at home unless you, like, are a rich person and you have a crazy bomb-ass home theater system <laughs> right. or something. Um but, like, I, I don't know if it's because I'm a filmmaker and I'm, like, used to watching movies on, like, you know, on a small editing window and on my phone. And I'm used to, like, testing them on my 
uh, home uh, TV that like, I don't know that the size really makes that much of a difference for me personally, but, um, but I could see the sound system. Yeah. Really making a difference. So then, I mean, uh, going forward in, in the film industry, you think about back when like HD became a very more viable thing commercial commercially, um, people had to start filming stuff differently to for the home audience that would now have a high definition TV. Do you see mm. filming changing at going forward if people aren't going to the movie theaters anymore? Yeah, it's possible because I, I've had this discussion with uh, people in the film industry before where it's like, you know, there's going to be a point where, oh, I've got a 6K, 8K, 16k tv there's gonna be a point where your eye can't really perceive (laughs) the difference difference anymore and to be honest with you we're really close to that yeah like uh like i think it's around 6k so like anything higher than that the human eye just really can't perceive much of a difference i could be wrong on that feel free to tweet me and correct me but i (laughs) i believe i've heard that it was around 6k um and i've even like tested with films i have a 4k tv and i've popped in the 1080 and i've popped in the 4k and i'm like i can't tell a difference yeah (laughs) especially when it's streaming like i'm like i don't know it looks the same um so i i definitely think you know shooting 4k is absolutely the standard right now i'm sure it'll change to 6k and eventually when the camera and technology is more affordable that'll be you know more of a thing um i actually really prefer the look of film but i sure as shit don't have the money for that (laughs) uh but i like you know with like star wars where jj abrams went back and you know shot the first of this new reboot on film i felt like i could tell a difference um there's just like a quality almost like a dreamy quality that film has that's kind of surreal that I think digital is still kind of struggling to completely replicate. But um, but then again, I've also read really compelling articles by DPs. Like I think the DP for Knives Out did a whole uh, article about how that film look is achievable with um, digital. And so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay i mean that that's that was a long way of saying fuck if i know <laughs> no i mean that's exactly what I, I i'm looking for um as in content wise and and specifically because of covid19 um mm. i think the last time when there was the huge writer strike in hollywood and out of, out of yeah. that out of that came you know uh, all the reality game shows and reality tv boom and stuff like that do you mm. see something like that content wise happening again with this slowdown. I mean, you just look at like Jimmy Fallon and like Conan are like shooting their own stuff in their houses. Um, And I'm almost kind of curious if people will start to forgive lower quality looking content even more because out of necessity, a lot of it is going to be lower quality content for a little bit. Um, So that's, that's one interesting thing that I've noticed. It's also, 
specifically to those guys, like I've watched a couple of their things, even John Oliver, you know, shot in like a white psych on mm-hmm. his last episode. And, and Trevor Noah is doing it on the daily show. Oh yeah. And, and they're all without laugh tracks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, huh, maybe we're going to find out you're not so funny with laugh track. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Uh, some of these jokes aren't really that great. Interesting. Um, so that's an interesting thing. But I also think people, I've already seen um, a couple of my filmmaker friends post stuff where they're making films in isolation. And so I think it'll be interesting to see if people make films in isolation. And then also just, you know, I'm interested to see how this changes society in like cultural ways that maybe we're not even thinking about now. Like, um, like, are you really going to want to shake someone's hand after this ever again? I kind of don't. I think I'll probably be like, let's just elbow bump instead. (laughs) Um, Especially finding out how many people just really don't understand how to wash their hands properly or do it at all for some reason. Yeah. And I saw this like amazing YouTube video. Um, I forget the guy's name. He's like an ex NASA employee. He's the one that did like the sparkle bomb. Oh, uh, wow. Package thief video. Mm-hmm. He did a video about this where he dusted um, some kids' hands with this powder that is completely see through and you can't see it on your hand, but it shows up under black light. And then that kid shook, a, shook another kid's hand. And then that kid, like they were in a line of like four and they all shook hands and it transferred all the way down to the last kid. And then they put four more and again it transferred. So that. The stuff on his hand transferred eight kids deep. Mm-hmm. So when you're shaking someone's hand, you're shaking the last eight people's hands that they touched, which is just like, oh, God, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so I wonder if it'll make like the whole world more germophobic. <laughs> uh, and if that'll change, like social norms, you know, will change and therefore maybe stories will change to adapt to that. I don't know. This is, yeah, this is all very true. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, Ash, uh, I've been talking for an hour. Thank you. I want to say thank you again for coming on the show. Um, Roundtable, is it going to be, I mean, it's going to be on the film festival again, but is it going to, you're going to have another YouTube premiere eventually? Yeah. So the Roundtable is that new, uh, I don't know if I said the name earlier, but it is that new short film that I shot. Um, so it will do whenever we do the film festival circuit, it'll have uh, it's 18 months is the film festival circuit. And then I'm not actually sure if it's going to live on YouTube or not. Okay. Um, I'm doing it with Brittany and then the writer, Nathan Davis. We've sort of made our own. Um, we call it the creators co-op where we're making films together and um, they, don't really want to put it on YouTube. So it might end up on Vimeo or something like that. I'm not really sure. Very cool. Um, unless I can convince them to let me put it on YouTube, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Uh, I will not yell at you like Brett does to engage the audience, but would you like to give out your, uh, <laughs> engage the audience, <laughs> <laughs> the, your, your socials and uh, places My where socials. people can, can find you and all your content that you love to create. Yeah, so you can, um, of course, find me on YouTube. My two channels are Laugh Stash TV, which is more 
my silly comedy stuff or film it yourself is my new filmmaking channel. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at ashes stash. There's two S's in there. It's a little tricky, <laughs> or you can just probably search my name. There's not very many Ash Blodgett's though. There is one out there and, uh, just look for the one with the mustache. That's how <laughs> you know. Uh, and then on, Instagram, I have to look it up because I'm that. Oh, it's mustache on Instagram. M-O-U-S-T underscore ash. Again, you could just search my name. On that one, I'm with a dinosaur. That's how you know it's me. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yes, thank you once again. Um, It's it's been great talking to you and catching up. So uh, if if anybody wants to find me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia G-E-M. the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Ash? <laughs> I like the pause. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, thinking about it? Oh, yeah, yes. That's what that, it is. That's the name. <laughs> it's just like everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this has been Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.